Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we'll be reviewing the new Tom Hardy vehicle and anti-comic book movie as Sony's Venom. We'll also be taking a look at Bradley Cooper's directorial debut, A Star is Born. We're going to have a conversation about comic book villains and whether or not adaptations can work in lieu of comic book hero stories in film. We're also going to talk about horror film in October, some things we've watched, some things we plan on watching. But before we get to all of that, we got to talk about the news. Our first story this week, Ansel Elgort, star of Baby Driver and 2014's The Fault in Our Stars, is starring in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story as the main character, Tony. Andy, you stumbled onto this story. Uh, what do you know? Well, I mean, he did such a great job in Baby Driver. Tremendous job. You know, he Driver. had to do, he didn't do any singing, but he had to do, he had a couple of dance numbers, actually. Uh, like, yeah. like choreographed, uh, uh, there's a scene where he's walking just through the streets and he's kind of, yeah, doing like a dance thing. And, um, yeah, yeah. He, he auditioned and, and got the lead. So he's going to be be playing that. And I'm pretty excited about Spielberg's uh, take on this. Spielberg has been looking for stars for this movie for the better part of a year. It, it's been it's been really a problem. Hollywood observers figured eventually this project's going to be shelved. Uh, apparently Spielberg shelved another project, the kidnapping of Edgardo Mortara, uh, to do this one. He's been real particular about who he wants. So it's interesting to me that he just, I don't want to say stumbled onto uh, Ansel Elgort, but I wonder if he, he auditioned with him earlier and just kind of decided, like, ah, maybe, and kept looking and settled. I don't think we have a, a Maria cast yet, or really anybody no. else, so this is the first big one. So yeah. I'm curious to see what else comes out of it but it's it's interesting man west side story is big one you got it's, it's yeah big one. it's i mean it's a classic it's a classic um yeah it, it'll be interesting to see how it's updated and and modernized uh from you know obviously the 50s or early 60s yeah uh one other thing i wanted to mention before we move on to the next story i, I feel like you don't want to talk about this and that's fine uh <laughs> i wanted to mention yeah ansel elgort's last movie uh and the movie before that, oh my god, both starred Kevin Spacey, uh, which is crazy. Uh, Kevin Spacey, of course, caught some troubles uh, for some yes. some pretty spicy allegations regarding his character. I don't want to get too far into that, but his first movie with him was Baby Driver. That came out before all of these allegations. The second movie was a movie called Billionaire Boys Club, which was filmed before all the allegations came out. It stars uh, Ansel Elgort, Taron Egerton, and, and, and Kevin Spacey. Uh, Ansel and Taron both, or Taron, I don't know. Both uh, rising Hollywood stars. And what's interesting to me is when I first saw the trailer for Billionaire's Boys Club, Boys Club, it was after all the allegations had come out and he had been, Spacey had been kicked off House of Cards off Netflix. And I thought, oh God, like this is not great for two young uh, rising Hollywood stars. Not not a good look uh, to, to be attached to this movie. The movie made no money. It didn't go anywhere. It got horrible it, I think reviews. it literally made about $26. Yeah, it, it got nowhere, which... Regardless, uh, what's interesting to me is that uh, Mr. Edgerton ha has now landed uh, the role of, of Elton John in the Elton John biopic Rocket Man, and Ansel is getting Tony in Spielberg's West Side Story remake. Clearly, Hollywood is not biased to people who are attached to projects involved with people in ignorance i guess i don't really know where no, i'm going I, with that i just i don't know i i thought i thought that would that might really hurt their careers and clearly it hasn't in the slightest no i i wouldn't think it, it would i i feel like they're separate enough from all all that yeah. and again it was they filmed and worked with him before all that was public knowledge and i'm glad that, that's a good thing like that's that's a good thing that that that, that doesn't fall back on them like that's uh, I think a redeeming thing in Hollywood, which is not something you see every day. The next story we have Blade Runner 2049 screenwriter expands story with comic book. This was an exclusive story out of the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Andy, you're a big comic book fan. We're both fans of Blade Runner 2049. Fill us in. Um, yeah, this is really exciting because the Blade Runner world is just... Um, it's so immersive and there's so much to it. And there's there's been talk of additional films, uh, maybe... Uh, but I think this is a really good way to expand the universe and look at, you know, maybe more in-depth look at other characters or other places. Um, Blade Runner 2049 references uh, a war on Kalantha several times. So it'd be interesting to get get there. Or, you know, they mentioned going off-world as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, I, I like this quote from Michael Green in the announcement when he said, uh, every iteration of the Blade Runner world throws the window open a little wider. Mike and I can't wait to see what we find outside. It's really cool. Because you're right. Like, the Blade Runner universe, it, it's got such potential to grow. 
it, it feels like it's teeming and it's endless. You look at something like Star Wars and it feels a little narrow. Even Star Trek maybe feels a little narrow. You've got to follow certain rules, but Blade Runner, like, you kind of don't. Like, you can kind of really explore this, like, rich world um, because I think the two stories told within it are kind of removed from the world in a little bit. These two these two characters uh, of, of Rick Deckard and uh, K2SO? I'll top K- my head. K is fine. K uh, <laughs> are, are, are oddly strangers in a strange land and, and i think there's so much you can do with the world of blade runner what is it about comic book continuations of movies is this a regular thing i feel like uh, i've noticed this before. sometimes uh i feel like you can just explore different things you can go more in depth like uh phasma has a, a good four or five comic book uh story arc that oh, leads wow. into the last jedi and it gives a little bit more in-depth to her character and also connects to uh, a deleted scene uh, sure. between her and, and finn uh, so you're d- able to just kind of flesh things out a little bit more i know uh last week i think they announced another fight club comic from chuck palaniuk who Originally, Fight Club was a book that was adapted into a film, but they made a comic book following it. Now they're making another one. Uh, we've talked about it before. Comic books and movies, man, they they work surprisingly well. Well, and I think with, with comics, you have a lower bar as far as uh, return on investment. So you're not worried about like, well, we got to please the fans and we got to sell this and we got to market it th- that like you're just trying to sell the story to comic book fans. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a little bit easier sell. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think I would really like to see is... I'd like to see how Roy Batty in the first Blade Runner, uh, mm-hmm. how he kind of recruits the other replicants and gets off world because they reference it that he, uh, you know, there was an uprising and replicants uh, hijacked a, a ship and came back to Earth. That would be cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd read a Roy Batty story. That'd be neat. Yeah, I'd get into that. The, uh, the tears in the rain, all that goodness. Yeah. The last story we have actually relating to comics, speak the devil, uh, Venom gobbles up a record-breaking $80 million at the box office this weekend. That is breaking the record for a uh, box office in October, right? Yep. That, that is the hot new thing. We're going to talk about Venom. We're actually talking about Venom before A Star is Born, so sorry if you're a big Star is Born fan out there. We'll get to it, but before that, Venom, and before that, this story... Andy, why do you think this one's breaking new ground in October? Well, you know, I was thinking about it earlier, and I I feel like Venom is a it's a little bit like the Joker, where you know everyone we love comic book heroes, but we love comic book villains even more. And just like the Joker is this iconic villain, I think um, Venom is a little bit of that too. Not not quite as famous, but it's someone that I think people really wanted to see on screen. Yeah, I, I agree, and and we'll get into the review here in a second, but you're right. Like, I think there's a couple things. One, it's October. People like horror, and Venom, Venom is, is PG-13. It's just scary enough to take the kids, but not too much. It lands in that superhero vein, so you still kind of get, like, the fun comic booky feel. And and I think people like Tom Hardy. People like the character. People want to see yeah. more of it. Yeah, like, it's this kind of perfect combination of things, and releasing in October is just... Clever, I guess. Plus, yeah. it's coming after Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, the Spider-Man game just came out. People are all Spider-Man right now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it also, it it's important to note that it made $210 million worldwide when you include the worldwide um, numbers as well. So, that's it, it's a hit across the globe, not just here. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see uh, if they do anything next with the franchise or if it ties into Spider-Man. But I guess we, could save, we should save that for our review uh one more thing i wanted to mention before we get too far into it a star is born came in second place almost half of what venom made 41 million dollars right. which is still really really impressive in its own right right still surprised uh that 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 was bit more than projected i think for the cooper directed film but uh for what it's worth both big hits in october yeah yeah and we've got a lot more coming up in october like they, they, there may be something that breaks that record who knows um but that's certainly a, a tall order so, uh, we should move on to the first film of the show. I've agreed to take the summary. The film is Venom. Oh, I have a parasite. So, how does Venom start? My God. Venom is the story <laughs> of uh, Eddie Brock, a, a kind of underground viral reporter in New York City who uh, has, has everything going for him in his life, all right? He's, he's got a girlfriend, and he, he's, he's going to get married, and he's got a great job, and people respect him, and he's, he, he's, he's that hot-button reporter that get, gets the story no matter what. And uh, he, he kind of stumbles onto one day in his, his journey to, to 
uh, unveil this this super villain at the center of this pharmaceutical corporation in New York City. Uh, he, he stumbles onto a new a new project they've been working on, similar to Peter Parker uh, getting bit by a spider when he's investigating uh, a story of his own from yeah. a school paper, right? Yeah. Uh, and and after kind of running in with this symbiote, uh, he, he becomes infected and uh, becomes this character that we know and love as Venom. Right. Yes. And that's the best way to summarize. It, I think without giving anything away. Hopefully. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So let's talk about the movie. Um, I, I, Andy, what did you think? Yeah, I'll just cut right to you. Andy, what did you think of Venom? Okay, so I was really kind of surprised by it. I, I went in with pretty low expectations. So the, the trailers did not get me hyped. They did not look very good. I know that the tr- production was a little bit troubled. They had to do some reshoots. Um, but you know, I actually really enjoyed it. I was I was really surprised. Um, yeah. So it, I will say it does start out uh, very weak. The first act is, is doesn't do a great job of, of establishing story or kind of setting up characters, and they all sound, seem very kind of stock and, and cliche. But the longer it goes, the better it gets, and it starts to kind of pick up. And the the action is really good. The effects are really good. And Tom Hardy's performance was kind of surprising to me. I mean, obviously, he's a great actor, but I didn't really expect much from the role because yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just I don't know how you act, but I just expected him to be – kind of behind the mask most of the time and he really he looks like he's he's about to become a zombie the entire movie like he's got a virus <laughs> yeah. that's about to take over his body and it's really convincing right uh yeah I, we should talk about all of those things uh leading to this movie i don't I, I try not to read reviews for films before we go see them um because I, I don't want anything to influence how i feel about it i want to try to go in fresh in the case of something like Venom that's, that's particularly popular, it's tough because even if I'm not reading like Rotten Tomatoes reviews, you see headlines, you see Twitter, Entertainment Weekly's like, here's here's what people thought of that crazy scene at the end of this movie or whatever. Like, you're going to be influenced one way or another. And going in, Venom, man, did not look great. A lot of people were like, this movie's not that good. It's not yeah. that funny. It's kind of lame. So I went in with pretty low expectations because I, yeah, I was like you. I hadn't really, I didn't really like the trailers. I didn't know what to expect. Not that bad. It's okay. <laughs> like, really. And and we should talk about why. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It might just be worth your time. First, I think the casting. Everybody thought yeah. Tom Hardy was cast in this movie. Everybody thought, why is he playing a super, like a super villain kind of character? He's got this weird accent. What did you think of him? What did you think of Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmed as the villain? What do you got? Oh, okay. So I'll start with Michelle Williams. Um, her character is completely wasted. She's like mm. she could have been anyone, Horrible. and she has a terrible. <laughs> she has a terrible wig. Terrible uh, wig. <laughs> and Horrible also, wig. she's wearing like a schoolgirl skirt for like half the movie. Uh-huh. It is just. It seems real out of, out her, of place. Her her coolest scene comes right in the middle and out of nowhere, and you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we can't talk about it because it's it potentially spoilery. But uh, yeah, and it, it's it's. Oh, I, I can't talk about it. Anyone anyone. Her character could have been anyone. Like I know. You, yeah. Like you have Oscar nominator, Oscar winner, Michelle Williams, and like it y- could have been any blonde person. It's horrible. Yeah. And like her character is, is, is very poorly utilized in her uh, relationship with Eddie Brock at the beginning. Yeah. They're, 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 they're on a great place. They're in a great place. And then when he pulls some, you know, viral reporter shenanigans, she ends up getting laid off. And that's enough for her to be like, we're done. The brown bread, <laughs> yeah. the game over. Like, and she leaves him, and that's it. She's got a new boyfriend. She's on that. It's like, whoa! Yeah, hold it moves, on a it second. moves really fast. Way really, really too fast. fast. Yeah, that's that first act you were talking about. Uh, Riz Ahmed as the villain. Um. Okay. Again, he's kind yeah. of kind of stock. Uh, and I mean, we we just saw him last week in the Sisters Brothers, uh, where you know he was fine. Um. But yeah, it's, it's just he's kind of a stock. Uh, evil corporate villain. Yeah, he's he's got this this kind of cool bit in the middle where he he injects a little bit of like biblical wisdom, Abraham and Isaac, and this yeah. metaphor speech that he tells to kind of rally the troops. But overall, he's not particularly like charismatic. He doesn't really like pick up the mantle and run with it. He kind of just rattles off his lines best he can. I I don't mean to say he's 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 like a little dude and doesn't have the charisma for it. Um but it reminds me of Charlie Day in Pacific Rim Uprising. He's okay. Yeah, it's he's just all a, right. It's kind yeah. of a weak role. A little bit. I will I will say that um yeah, like I said Tom Hardy definitely has a he does have a great performance. Um his accent is kind of mm. all over the place. It's rough, man. But it's uh, rough. But I felt he he was convincing as as a reporter and when like the the great stuff is when he he becomes infected with with uh, venom in the in the symbiote, and he's like, you know, he he hears the voice, and he uh, you know is like jerking all around, and like that stuff is like 
you know, t- a good two thirds of the movie. And I, yeah. and I felt like that stuff was really good. It is his accent, man. It really makes it difficult to believe some stuff because it, at the very beginning, he's, he's a, he's a reporter and he's like viral and people love him. And then like, that's his gig. And, and you listen to him interviewing somebody and you're like, I can barely understand. <laughs> so yeah. it's different. It's tough to like suspend your disbelief. They're like, okay, sure. This guy's like a rising internet star or something like it's, it's rough, but as a New Yorker, he's he's got the gait. He, he walks a certain way, like you said. He looks run down and beaten the whole movie. Like it, as his portrayal as this guy who is sick and arguably experiencing symptoms similar to like, uh, uh, oh God, what am I looking for here? Uh, dementia. Like oh, okay, yeah. yeah, and he's you know he's crazy. For that part, he does pretty well. Like I, I really thought he did a good job um, of, yeah. of portraying portraying that character. Uh, we should talk about. I don't, I don't know if it's getting too spoilery. The role of Venom. Right. The character. Yes. Uh, because it is... Venom in the comic books and, and in this movie is very much like its own beast. It's, yes. it's The symbiote has a mind of its own. It talks. It has a face. It's the face you see. Uh, and, and it talks to Eddie Brock. Right. Like, yeah. back and forth. So, what did you think of that? Of it jumping in, kind of a of this kind of sure. omniscient perspective... Yeah, I, I mean that really worked for me. I really I, worked I, for me. I really liked it um, yeah. as well. And there's uh, that's when we start to actually get some some good humor. Um, some <laughs> yeah. of the some of the humor doesn't quite land in the movie, but a lot of it does. And particularly like the dialogue between the two, because it's not one taken over the other. They kind of have to coexist. Yeah, according to IMDb, and I must this must be wrong. It says Tom Hardy voiced Venom. You think? I, I figured they had some kind I w- of I w- you fancy know, I d- voice I didn't actor. know. I was wondering that uh, myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to look that up, but I mean, it could have been. It makes sense. The acts, right? You said the first act is clunky. Yeah. Why? Uh, it, it's very weak in setting up character. Yep, and moves way too fast. And and just the, the narrative is just uninspiring. We, but by the way, we also need to mention, I almost forgot that uh, Jenny Slate is in the movie as well. Uh, oh, God, she, I almost forgot she's in that too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh. She's, she's one of the scientists. Um, but yeah, she ends up kind of being a throwaway character. Yeah, and Reed Scott from uh, Veep, if you watch that show, who is Dr. Dan Lewis. Funny story, my cousin's named Dan Lewis, so I need to shoot him a message and be like, hey, buddy, you're you're in a movie, congrats. Uh, yeah, Jenny Slate in this movie. Man, I don't want to say she was forgettable. It was kind of the opposite. I couldn't like not look at her when she was on screen because I was like, oh, look, it's Jenny Slate. Like I just wasn't convinced at all that she was a yeah. scientist. I, I don't know, maybe I'm... Uh, biased because I know who she is, but yeah, I felt like she was also underutilized. Uh, I, I don't know the char- the characters are a little weak, but uh, that's part of what made this movie so fun. It's part of what made the, the acts believable, even if they weren't that deep. Is is because it's surface? Because it's like okay, well, it's you know, it's like a summer blockbuster movie. It's not supposed to be super deep. It's not supposed to be like this super rich character study. It's just like this fun ninety minute romp of you know comic book characters. Yeah. Th- to me, this sets up the the potential to have like kind of a Dark Knight situation where you you have an okay first movie because you you got funding, but then because it's a hit, now you're going to get a massive budget. You're going to be able to hire you know all the writers you want, and you can take everything to a new level. So I think whatever um, sequel comes out is probably going to be on a whole another level than this was. Yeah, uh, I do see them doing more of this, especially because of how much money it made. And this is a Sony picture. They will make more. They will run this into the ground. It's Sony. That's what they do. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I take it back. It, it, they make it pretty clear where they're going next. There's there's a trajectory yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, there's, there's what, two end credit scene is the end of this movie? Yes. Uh, so, so it's going somewhere, I think. What did you think of the second, third act? We didn't talk about that. Uh, kind of, kind of. Once you have the turn, and and the character has fallen to his lowest point, uh, and and discovered the symbiote, of course, and then the third act where you get not right. To get too well, spoiler. The, the the conflict, the climax of the film. Right. Yeah. Well, that's where we also start to get a lot of um, action set pieces. We have a couple of good, good fight scenes and car chases, and you know those kinds of things. So that helps really kind of move the the movie along. The the action pieces are really pretty good. Yeah, I, I was impressed by how much I enjoyed the action. Not because it's particularly well choreographed. Half the time, it's, you know, you've seen the trailer. It's a CGI arm shooting out of Tom Hardy's back or something, yeah. hitting a guy. Like, it doesn't even really look that believable, but I don't know. It's shot quick. It's effective. It works. The action scenes don't drag on too long. They're not too, I don't know. They, they are ridiculous because, again, symbiote, whatever. Like, it, it sells pretty well. And something I did enjoy was the slow, like, uh, reveal of of the symbiote's powers. 
Yeah. It's, it's real slow because you don't even see it like really for the first probably 20 or 30 minutes of the movie. But yeah. you get some powers. You, you, you get some ideas of how this thing works, what it can do. Uh, it, 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 it possesses a person and it does some stuff, but you never really get a good look at it until it's pretty much with Eddie Brock and you're, yeah. you're, you're well on your way. Yeah, so I thought that this movie really worked well as an origin story much more than some other ones we've seen, particularly Man of Steel, which I really like, but I, I always felt like it didn't do a good job of being an origin story because in that movie, Superman crash lands on Earth and then he's like 30 years old. There's very little right. of, of him discovering who he is and his powers and all that. And that's what we do get out of this movie is we have a whole lot of like, oh my God, what is going on? What is happening? And slowly discovering the powers like you were talking about. Yes. Uh, I, I did want to mention, totally lost my train of thought. I was going somewhere with that. Can you, you mind picking <laughs> up the ball and running with it? I'm, uh, oh God. Um, well, I think, I, I think, fumble. I think we might be ready for recommendations. You think? Oh God, I wasn't ready for recommendations. There's something else I wanted to ask about. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, though. I guess we should move on to recommendations. Uh, Andy, would you recommend Venom? Yeah, I, th- I think I would, especially you know if you're a fan of comics and you've been on the Marvel train. Um, it, it's enjoyable. It's, it, again, it's not great. It's got some problems, but overall, I enjoyed it. It gets better the longer it goes. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend it as well. Uh, it's, it's fun, man. It, it's just a fun movie. Good date night movie. Oh, I remember what I was going to ask about. We'll get to that in a second. Good date night movie. Good family movie. It's not too much. It's not too little. It scratches the itch. You go to see a movie. It's fun for 90 minutes. It moves pretty fast. It, it jumps the shark a little bit in logic, but it's a movie about an alien symbiote taking over. Like, what do you, you know? Yeah. What it's, are you going to expect? It's a fun time yeah. at the cinema. Yeah. I, 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 I don't want to say, I can't think of any, I can't think of any Marvel movies off the top of my head that I liked. Uh, more or less than this but uh, i'd say something like maybe captain america the first avenger first one i think i like this more than that right yeah it's fun it's good and for god's sake it's refreshing to follow a villain for a second like it just feels good you know also it's in last thing i'll say is that it it was also refreshing to for it to just be different because Mm -hmm. it's it's not marvelized You, you know you're not trying to tell a joke every 30 seconds um you're not having kind of these huge uh, universal or cinem- you know, cinematic universe t- yeah. tie-in. So it was refreshing to see a comic book movie that was just different from a lot of what we've seen. The other thing I was going to ask about, uh, violence, all right? Because this was something I, I got I got stoked for because the music in this movie is pretty solid. I know. Yeah. The, I, I realize now the review is over and it's too late for this part, but I damn it, I'm sneaking it in. Okay. <laughs> uh, the music's like real deep. A lot of bass feels like a lot of metal and, and I liked that. And when you finally get venom in all his glory attacking a room full of dudes i was into it i was like i can't wait to see this guy just wreck shop those goes those police officers have families and this guy <laughs> is taking them to task i love it but it's got to pull back the reins a little bit because it's pg-13 yeah did you ever feel like that hindered your experience or were you kind of cool with it because it's still pretty violent but it's not it's yeah, not you know i don't need comic book movies to be like yeah, super gory and and that sort of thing. I hear that there is an R-rated cut, and I think they actually played it at New York Comic Con oh, uh, wow. this week. So it you know it'd be interesting to see what that cuts like and how much it does or doesn't add to the movie. I did want to mention, yeah, Tom Hardy said in an interview uh, before the film came out, which is usually indicative of a, the movie's going to be bad. He said there's like 30, 40 minutes cut out of this movie. Yeah, that he really liked that aren't in there. And he was like, it bums me out because it's not quite the movie I thought they were going to make. Obviously still did well. Obviously still a pretty good movie. But yeah, I, I felt the same way. I'm like, there's there's a really dark, violent side here you could have gone for. And you didn't. It's a little it's pretty family friendly. And that's okay because it's still enjoyable. But I would like to see that. If, if the Blu-ray yeah. comes out and they're like, there's a hard R cut with an extra half hour or something, I'd check it out. Like, that sounds cool. Yeah, and I think also kind of like Wolverine and Logan, you need to establish the character, make all that sweet comic book money, That's right. and then you can start doing experimental stuff. Then you get real dark. Yeah. So, uh, for what it's worth, uh, Venom, worth the price of admission, I think. Check it Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, next, uh, a different step, I guess, for off script. We're going to kind of have a two-part conversation here. Two different topics. Uh, one segment. This is, Andy? The Death of Cinema. We're getting so good at leading into that. <laughs> like, yes. Ooh, here it comes. 
The first thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about horror movies in October. I want to talk about horror movies all through October, but I can't. We can't even watch that many horror movies in October because there's so many good movies coming out this month. But I want to talk about some of the things I've watched. And I guess we could talk about some of the things Andy's watched. Because <laughs> really, this is all about me. Andy, uh, last week, I talked about wanting to watch a horror movie almost every night in October. I wanted to watch a sure. bunch. And I've watched a handful. You've watched one. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about me first. Okay. All right. Because mine, mine aren't quite as deep. I've watched in October, let's see, right after we recorded the show last Monday, I, I went home and watched Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Tremendous. It's been a while since I've watched it. Really glad I watched it again. Uh, following that, I watched M. Night Shyamalan's Signs a couple days later. Uh, didn't hold up as well as I remember. Still had a lot of fun. Definitely forgot how great Joaquin Phoenix is in that movie. Yeah. As this incredibly lovable high school failure uh, guy who, who always swings at the ball. Um, I forget the name of the character. I also watched The Goonies. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, uh, the the Richard Donner film, which was presented by Steven Spielberg. Most people think Spielberg directed it. He didn't. Uh, he just presented it in the same way he presented uh, Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future. Still pretty good. And I also watched a movie that I'm I'm I, I I'm trying so hard to convince myself is an October film, but it isn't. Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. It doesn't. That didn't count, right? It doesn't. It like. I mean, there's ghosts. I, Christine was like, "There's ghosts in it," and there's like, "Cool." I'm like, "I know." <laughs> I, I wouldn't but it's call not, it a horror movie. It's no. not. It's not an. I mean, maybe you could slide it into October for like Disney Channel, 13 Days of <laughs> yeah, Halloween it, it's, or something. It, yeah, maybe. I was gonna say it's a horror movie. If you're it's seven. a stretch. Yeah, but but for <laughs> me, I, I would have rather have watched something like Halloween Town if I'm gonna watch a kids horror film with Casper Adams family. Uh, that's what I've watched so far. I don't know what I'm going to watch tonight, but I got I got to get back into the deep stuff. I, I've been going light here. I mean, Hitchcock was oh, a gosh. good start, but I got to start getting into things like Evil Dead or Nightmare on Elm Street. It's time. Right. It's the second week of October. It's ready to swing for the, I'm ready to swing for the fences. You, however, went right for it <laughs> two days into October. What did you say? The Shining. You watched The Shining. <sighs> You know, I, I don't I don't even know why, but I it just I had the itch. You should, I, I, you, <laughs> man. It's October, and you should have the itch. That is the right that is the right itch to have. What I thought was funny is, is after the show, maybe at the end of the show yeah. last week, we were talking about it. And I said I want to watch The Shining, but I got to save that for the end of the month. And you were like, Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, you got to save that for the end of the month. That's an end of the end of October kind of movie. You got to build up to it. And then, then October second, twenty four <laughs> hours later, you watched it. I'm glad. Every time I watch The Shining, I feel like I walk away with something new. You usually seem to feel same way what do you got anything anything new anything you know so the big thing that i noticed this time was actually a use of color mm. um and i hadn't never paid attention to this before so and it's particularly colors green and red right so jack torrance wears a green tie in his interview um he then he also wears uh, I he wore a green blazer i feel like i remember that but maybe no it's like great but his his tie is particularly green. green and then Stuart ullman has a bright red tie like it's again those two Stop colors go. sure but then we also have um you know, he has the Stovington shirt, mm -hmm. um, which is from the school. And that's the other thing, because I've read the novel now. I, I s notice a lot of the background stuff. Um, yeah. He wears a green sweater kind of before he goes crazy. And then when he swaps, when he starts to lo really lose his mind, he puts on, he has like kind of the red or burgundy jacket. And then actually Wendy is the one who was then wears green. She has like a green shirt under her apron. And also her, she, she wears a lot of red as well when they're in the snow she's got these red boots she also has this big red jacket when they're in the in the may so i don't really know what that's about but it's not an accident i don't think yeah i i think that's valid man there's so much in that movie that i i again every time i watch it i walk away with something new uh i don't know who knows right like who knows if any of it adds up but it feels like it it really does they made a yeah. documentary out of it for god's sake so. exactly uh anything you want to watch this week I'm curious. You know, what's I, on your watch list? Come on. I'm I I really want to get back to Hellraiser. Ooh. <laughs> one and two are on Netflix. Both solid right. picks. I watched them last well, I watched the first one last year. I don't know if I've ever gotten all the way through the second one. Yeah, the second one It's it, rough. Yeah, it is. Why do you why do you like Hellraiser? What is the I you know, it, it I'm just kind of weirdly intrigued by the mythos okay. of it all, even though it's it's not particularly like great or I had a buddy back that's how I got it. I had a buddy back in the day that was fascinated by the box. The idea of like pleasure and pain and one thing and like yeah like there, there's something there's yeah. something so fascinating with that barker like clive barker yeah like, and like the, yeah. The, the cenobites themselves are just so ridiculous you have you know the chatterer and butterball as well as pinhead <laughs> that everyone you know like, they're just so ridiculous oh, and yeah. i don't i don't i don't know they're but absurd I, yeah, yeah. 
Man, I, I still to this day, the thing, the first one has some rock solid practical effects. Really good work. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the name of the guy who does it, but I'd put it right up there with the thing. Like tremendous practical effects, just really good stuff. That guy growing his skin back slowly over time, which yeah. was the inspiration for uh, what 2002's The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser. Yeah, and and Imhotep growing back over time, like really cool stuff and that that house that like you never get a good feel for the layout it's just weird yeah that, that's that, that that's so funny is that you could tell this was super low budget because the house has like three rooms yes yeah. oh yeah and include one of which is like the murder attic yep and that man it's just a just a dark flick uh i like i said i want to watch some i need to get into some hokey stuff i, I watch some fun like psychological kind of things some guilty pleasures i need to get into Evil Dead 2. Honestly, this year, this is going to sound horrible, I might skip Evil Dead. I watch it every year, and it always feels like a hassle to watch. I might just skip it and go right for Evil Dead 2 because I love it so much, but Evil Dead 1 still great. I need to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. I'd like to watch Halloween, the first one, again, before we watch uh, the David Gordon Green 2018 Halloween in a couple weeks that comes out, um, just to kind of get a feel for that, but I watch that every year anyway, so I don't know. I need to watch The Shining. I got a lot of stuff I want to watch, but my point is I want to start digging into like the 80s slasher stuff. That's right. that's where I need to go this week. So we'll see how that goes. That's all I got for horror this week. I don't know. Just to check in. <laughs> uh, man, if, if you love some horror movies, if you got some stuff you want to watch, recommendations, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Hit us up on Facebook, iTunes, uh, iTunes, Twitter, Instagram, uh, just, just wherever. We're around. Check us out. Uh, and I'll throw another plug at the end of the show. The other thing we need to talk about, and I'm hoping you can kind of drive this conversation. A sure little thing. Uh, comic book villains in film, right? right. Uh, Venom is a fine example of a comic book villain done in a film that's kind of interesting. And, and the movie is centered around them. They're basically the hero. They are the protagonist in being the antagonist. What's another fine example of a comic book hero or villain, I should say, that might work in a essentially hero role? Right. All right, so that's what we're talking about. Well, right. first I want to mention the... Uh, Who can we make into another Venom? Yes. Well, first I want to mention uh, the Joker film, Todd, Todd Phillips mm-hmm. film, which comes out, I think, about this time next year, um, which is going to be that. It's going to be focused on on him. Yeah, uh, so I was thinking the, about this after the success of Venom is who else would look, look great on screen, kind of centered on... Um, and uh, several come to mind. Uh, some of the more obscure Superman villains, because I feel like we always do the lame ones or the ones that people are f- already familiar with. Um, <laughs> okay. So some people that I, that I w- want to see more of would be uh, Brainiac. All right. Who's like a super intelligence from around the, the world. It's a little bit like Thanos, like comes and collects a bit of each world and then kind of destroys the rest. Mm-hmm. But he, he has no form. Like that. that's the because he's just like uh, an AI essentially. So he takes uh, a number of different forms. So, yeah. so I think there's a lot of potential there. Just visually he can, you know, be a shapeshifter. Yeah. Um, you also have things like Darkseid, which I think was where Justice League was going. And Darkseid is like, you know, the ruler of Apocalypse Planet. And he's he's basically just like he can punch as hard as Superman or something like that. That's, he's, yeah. he's probably not like a great villain, but he's he is like the biggest bad in, in DC generally. Right. It's tough, man, because I one, I don't know comic book villains that well. So I'm a little out of my wheelhouse. But you, I'm also stacked the deck is stacked against me and that i've seen so many comic book villains on film portrayed usually poorly yeah yeah usually they're you know they're slapdash they're just kind of thrown in they're blowing up the world or whatever and you got to deal with it uh which is not a great look at a lot of these villains and a lot of them could probably be done better if they were given the time and you know kind of the energy to turn them into something Obviously, I don't mean Suicide Squad style. That's been a horrible yeah. failure, but oh gosh, clearly DC is going to run with it. And I think <laughs> looking at Venom and Sony, they might do something else. Something I would be interested in. Hear me out. I'd be interested in a Green Lantern origin story where the first film doesn't follow the Green Lantern. You follow a Green Lantern villain from start to finish. And that's how you set up the Green Lantern universe. That's my pitch. Oh, I see. All right. And then the next movie is the Green Lantern, mm-hmm. right? That would be something because nobody would really know where it's going at first. Not a whole lot of people know about Green Lantern lore. He kind of got shafted. Let's be honest. Uh, I, I think you could do something there. Yeah. But we've, I don't know. We've also mentioned that uh, we were talking about this before the show that Lex Luthor would be a great Lex Luthor would be that cool. Has, he has yet to be portrayed accurately like in the comics he's just a ruthless businessman which you would think would be easy to do but they seem to always want to take a, a weird twist on him like the justice league or uh batman vs superman version yeah. he they basically turned him into mark zuckerberg 
or how he's pre- or at least how he's portrayed in right. uh, the there, social network. There's a reason it's it's Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, it's it's Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, I always like the way I've talked about it in the show before. I always like the way he's portrayed in the in the CW show Smallville, starring My- Michael what's his name as as that's his name Michael what's yeah. his name as Lex Luthor. Yeah, just some high school kid man who like whose dad didn't love him and he just wanted to show the world that he was better than his dad thinks he is like. I liked that. You don't have to be, you know, oh my God, I'm out to get Superman, you know, like, or maybe you could, maybe you could kick off Superman real early in the Lex Luthor movie and have this guy who just despises him. I don't know. Um, But, but I think if you're going to do a good villain movie, a good way to go might be, you know, uh, not to get too spoilery, the Venom path where you don't have a whole lot of the hero. You pretty much just focus on the villain. I think that's a smart move. I think the other um, the other person that comes to mind is the uh, it's a character known as the cyborg Superman Hank mm-hmm. Henshaw, um, and so he basically becomes like this half he's like kind of cl- a cloned version of Superman sure. that, that kind of gets messed up in the clone, and so he builds like a robotic body to finish finish it out. So he kind of it's essentially kind of how Terminator looks, um, half man, half machine. So imagine that, but on Superman. And I think with that, like you have potential for like some real horror mm-hmm. k- kind of uh, elements um, because that ca- that character is really damaged because he wants to come and replace Superman and be be what Superman isn't. And um, it, it's a it's a great character in the comic books, and I'd love to see that on screen. I think one one common thread in all of these that we're talking about is essentially heroes that might mimic the way or villains i should say that might mimic the way a, a hero's exposition comes along uh venom is very similar to peter parker right. very similar yeah uh cyborg superman would be fairly similar to superman yeah like you you kind of see some parallels there and i think that's important because the, the way you set up a comic book hero movie can be the way you set up a comic book villain movie it doesn't have to be the same way what does frustrate me does it have to end the same way? Do, does does the hero, does the villain have to be kind of redeemable in the end? Because if an audience is going to follow them, they have to be likable, right? In some mm-hmm. form or fashion. And if they're just straight evil by the end of the movie, a lot of people aren't going to like that. It's not going to test well with audiences. The bean counters won't go for right, it. The accountants. Yeah, the accountants. Um, the, and the last person that comes to mind, this is switching over to Batman. I would love to see a film with the Riddler. I was thinking the Riddler. I was also thinking Solomon Grundy, but I can't see that being done well. So maybe no, the he's Riddler. Gotta be a, he's got to be a sidekick. Yeah, he's, he's too weird. Yeah. Um, uh, the thing with the Riddler, a lot of people say he's maybe too similar to to the Joker, but I, I think if you portray him kind of in as, as this like genius kind of character that like Batman has to match wits as opposed to like match muscle. He's the world's greatest detective. Um, then I, I think that would be, be really clever. There was a, a great um, Riddler arc in the, uh, the Zero Year um, story arc. Yeah, I, I know everybody. Everybody likes to hate on the uh, the Jim Carrey Riddler from what Batman Forever. I think sure, but man, those scenes where he what Val Kilmer is Batman would find like the little letter or something like a little pop up letter in in Wayne Manor that had a riddle in it about a clock or something. There's no music. I don't think I remember any music or anything. It was just filmed, and he like opens this thing and it's creepy, and he's sitting there looking at it and like, what does it mean? And he's like, it's a clock. Like, it was so cool. Like, there's so much, like, palpable energy there. And, yeah, Jim Carrey's a goof and Val Kilmer's a goof. But, like, if you ignore that all for a second and you just keep it serious, you play it straight, real straight, I think you could really have something with some tension. Yeah. Go for, like, a, was like a Jigsaw-esque approach. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you could really do something neat with Riddler. Um, but you got to have a bold director and a bold script and some bold producers with some bold money for bold cinema <laughs> yeah, exactly. to get something like that. Venom may not quite have gotten there, but I think it's possible. We'll see what Todd Phillips does with Joker. Speaking of Todd Phillips, because he was a producer on the next film we're going to talk about, we should segue into our final film of the show. Uh, Andy, you've agreed to take the, the, the summary for this one. I'm sure you'll do a better <laughs> job than I did with Venom. Please take it away. A Star is Born. Maybe it's time to let the old ways down. Maybe it's time to let the old ways down. So this is the directorial debut of Bradley Cooper, star of The Hangover mm-hmm. and uh, other gross-out comedies. Yes. Um, so measures. this movie has been remade. This is now the fourth iteration of this film. It was made in the 30s, in the 50s, and in the 70s. And I guess somehow, I guess, skipped the 90s and uh, <laughs> is now being remade uh, again. Uh, also starring uh, Lady Gaga. Uh, so the story is uh, Bradley Cooper uh, plays Jackson Maine, who's a very successful country rock artist. 
but who was also very much a substance abuser, alcoholic, um, just is really kind of run ragged and uh, is a little disillusioned as a musician. And uh, one night after a show, he he goes to a bar and he discovers uh, Lady Gaga's character named Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of strike off a, a romance and, you know, they talk music and he discovers that she is in fact, a very talented singer songwriter invites her to come tour with him, uh, helps launch her career. And that's, uh, that's pretty much the setup of the movie. And it it kind of is about her rise and his fall uh, of stardom. Yes. Uh, a star is born. Um, this movie has been remade a few times. Yes. Before we get into this, have either of us seen any of those originals? No. They no. played the they played the trailer. <laughs> oh, because I saw it at Alamo. Um, oh wow! They played the trailer for the 1976 version. Streisand. Bef- yeah, the Streisand version before this. Chris Christopherson. All right. Well, how'd that trailer look? Uh, it's like a completely different movie. That seemed that one seemed to kind of play up the the romance ang- angle of it, the anguish. Yeah, um, I want to say the originals in like the 30s or something. Yeah, or like the, the 50s. Yeah, and apparently the one the 30s that film is very different from the ones that follow and the ones that follow are more similar. Yeah. The thirties was coming up on the end of the great depression. This is a very different time to be a star in Hollywood. Yeah. Very different. So this movie's gone through some, some reiterations, but since we haven't seen the original, we can't talk about what it was. We can only talk about what this movie is. Andy, what do you think? So I really like this. I was, I I was really, really sold out on it. I mean, it it looked good to me. I didn't think it was going to be bad. Um, but man, yeah, it, it was done really well. It's really, it has some heartbreaking and painful moments, um, and some really positive moments as well. Um, but it really is about their relationships. If, if you don't believe in their relationship, uh, with each other, the, I feel like the rest of the movie doesn't, uh, really work. I agree. Uh, the whole movie is driven by the relationship of the two titular characters, uh, and it works pretty dang well uh surprisingly well i think i i was pretty into this movie it's got problems but we'll talk about what that is and first let's talk about the characters like you said a very great place to start bradley cooper as as jackson maine is pretty good pretty not bad i think what, yeah. what did you think okay so I, I mean i was pretty blown away because um i i heard in an interview uh, with lady gaga that she didn't um she was not going to do the movie unless he agreed to like sing his Every, parts, right. Yeah, seeing his part and do it live because she's like, I'm, I cannot, or acting is new to me or newer to me. And if you want an authentic performance out of me, I need an authentic performance out of you. Right. Um, so in other words, you can't act like you're playing and singing. You have to actually play and sing. All right. Did um, he actually play guitar? He, uh, I don't I'm know. There's sure. some I'm guitar not, licks in I'm there. Not, pretty I'm not good. Sure. But I'm, not, I'm not sure. But he's definitely singing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and in addition to lots of vocal training, he also had to do vocal exercises to get his voice very low because he has this very low gruff like he sounds just like sam elliott who's also in the movie Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i was completely convinced by his look and his character and and the musical numbers are very convincing i thought his accent was a little rough around the edges but for the character by you know hour into the movie i was into it I, i pretty much fell for it i was convinced he was who he claimed to be his singing not so great, but he's not a professional singer. And, and I think the brilliance of these, this kind of duality of these roles is Lady Gaga is in the exact opposite place. I think her acting, not the greatest, but her singing, outstanding. So, mm-hmm. like, they fill in for each other, which I think helps connect the characters. It's really tremendous. What did you think of her? Um, so, I, I mean, I thought she was really good. It, like I said, um, she's singing all her own part. And as a trained musician like that's something i can spot instantly like mm-hmm. if if someone's faking it or lip syncing or whatever i can see it and it takes me out of it but this is the opposite when they're doing it for real it really kind of pulls you farther in yeah also she has uh, in some ways she kind of has a harder role because she has to act like a regular joe for part of the movie you know uh-huh. which she is absolutely not like she's she's a worldwide superstar so well, she, she's got to act like the person that's like you know taking out the trash like, i mean like these things are you know yes and no i agree you're right uh she definitely does not live in a house with andrew dice clay who, who is a very interesting <laughs> casting choice in the movie and surprisingly good uh she, but at the same time i would argue like her character of ali is a character that i never see because i always see her with makeup and a huge hairdo and a huge how to do so sure. seeing her Without all of that torn down to the baseboards, like in a way, I feel like she can relate a lot to that character because the public doesn't see her that way. At least sure. I don't, like yeah. as a member of the public. So, yeah, it was it was really oddly easy to connect with her that way because she didn't feel like a stranger. If anything, she felt closer than her normal presentation. Yeah, it, I, I feel like the fir- in the first act before she's uh, a star, 
um, that's the real crucial part of the film. If you don't believe her character is that, then you're not going to go along with the rest of the film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I did think it was a little odd towards the end of the movie when you hit credits and they announce her as Lady Gaga. I was like, okay, so she's still... I guess it's... A, I don't know, man. She's a celebrity. It's fine. Like, I don't know what that means, but you're sticking with the... All right, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, other. I mean, her, her, her full name is Stephanie Germanata, which no one... I mean, no one's going to know that. I guess... I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was something about her her being raw and being real on, on, <laughs> on, in this performance and it being her first big role. She was in Machete Kills, by the way, right? That's right, yeah. So whatever, but this being her first role, but it's fine. I don't know. I guess I got to the end and I was just like, oh, okay, you're still... All right. I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's no slight against her performance at all. Like, I just thought that was odd that stood out to me. But I, I did want to talk about the soundtrack. Yeah. A deep soundtrack, a lot of tracks, lots of vocals, lots of lyrics, lots of music. You're a music man. What'd you think? Um, I really like the songs. I, I thought they were done well. I was on board with with pretty much all of them. And I, I've been listening to the soundtrack, actually, some uh, after the movie came out. So I I really liked it. And I liked the, the song Shallow, which is probably going to be a, a big hit. It ha- it already has 18 million views on YouTube. Yeah. No, the, the soundtrack is, is pretty tremendous. I was really surprised. By the first track in the film, uh, a song called Black Eyes is a really cool kind of droning start to a, to what I believe to be, we'll talk about this at the end, a musical, but not everybody thinks that. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, and it ended really tremendously too, a big crescendo of music. All of the music in the movie um, kind of moved the plot along well. Uh, it, 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 the, the lyrics often to me felt a little heavy handed because the lyrics have to explain what's happening with the characters in the film as exposition. Um, they weren't just freewheeling whatever. It was like, oh, this is how this character feels now, which is why they wrote this song. So sometimes that felt a little clumsy, but the melodies were great. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the performances were great. The instruments were great. I, I loved the concert scenes in the movie were all fantastic. Mm-hmm. They, they filmed at what? Coachella, SNL, and I forget the last one, Glastonbury or something like that. I forget the last yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, but. yeah, those scenes are, are really convincing. And if you look in the credits, like, they're playing with a real band. They're, they're not just like, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo faking it on the bass. Like, they, they're playing with real groups. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or filming with this, real this groups. film is produced by uh, one of the producers, Live Nation Productions, which... Mm-hmm kind of freaks me out that we have concert venue like promoters now getting into filmmaking but it's fine it's fine uh clearly it paid off because a lot of that stuff feels super genuine the things where they're shooting like in a house i mean you're on a set you're shooting i get it but when you're at a concert and like you have that those great camera angles like behind the performer looking out at just thousands of people like really cool stuff and really really emotional yeah, yeah definitely which really helped to pay off go ahead um so i wanted to get into kind of what's the movie about like what are what are some yes. themes and meanings because that's themes I'm, all, I'm all about themes yes um, it's this movie's about a lot of things uh one of which uh i believe is substance abuse uh that's definitely one, one of the big things uh cause, yeah because he's definitely like super hard drinking and like pops pills and he's smoking. hitting it hard yeah. oh yeah, he, yeah bradley cooper drinks to forget yeah, and not only that is how much um, he's enabled to do this. Like, everyone around him is just like, no one wants to stop him because he's their cash cow. Um, but I, I think there's a lot to be said about that in the movie. Um, there's also, I think, commentary about uh, the music industry. I think it's actually pretty harsh criticism uh, yeah, about I, it. Real quick, I want to ju- jump in on the cash cow thing. I want to talk about that for a second because it's not that characters in the film don't cut him off because they're like, well... You know, if, if 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 he gets angry at me, he'll fire me and then I don't have a paycheck. They don't cut him off because Bradley Cooper's character presents himself as if I don't drink, if I don't hit the bottle, I can't do the music. Like right, that's yeah, his yeah. whole pitch. Like that's where it comes from. That's part of who he is. It's part of his like character and his, his sound and everything. So like it's a really interesting like conflict of interest there. Like yeah. running yourself ragged but producing things that people love. Like it's a really it's a really cool message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um uh, again, th- there's a character that plays uh, this manager um, that that approaches uh, Allie, Lady Gaga's character, and wants to eventually turn her into a star. Right. She's got to get to get to a star somehow, that, right? Yeah, that's gotta get right. A and uh, and very much wants to change pretty much everything about like how she looks, how she plays, the kind of music she does. And you know, I feel like this is a very this is a criticism about about the music industry is what what it chews up and, and spits out because that, that character is not interested in anyone's well-being. He doesn't care about any of the characters. He just wants to, again, make, make this person their, his cash cow. Yeah. Uh, 
I wanted to mention, uh, along with themes, the the idea of rising stardom, this 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 trade of societal power, because they they talk about in the movie like how you, you know you gotta you gotta be true to yourself and you have to be true to those people out there, and if you ever fake it for a second, you're not gonna get anywhere. And I think that's totally valid. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I'm not you know I'm not by any means a freaking star or anything, but like I do think you have to be honest and you have to be yourself. And you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, there's definitely a crisis of identity in this movie and whether or not you're yeah. being yourself versus somebody the world wants you to be. Uh, I don't know if I felt like that was like fleshed out well. I don't know if that actually panned out for the characters at all. I, I felt like it was mentioned, but it didn't really go anywhere. Did you I get feel, that? Well, I, I do feel, by the way, by the end of the film, we've touched on that and kind of come back to where we started. Right. Without getting in, into too much. Yeah, yeah, good point. There, there's, there, there's a... The, the, the full trailer for this movie, the second trailer that came out, definitely has this, this great little bit from Sam Elliott in the movie about uh, notes repeating and music and repetition. And, like, there's certainly an element of that in this. Also, in the way the film was made, because this is a remake. Like, so, yeah, yeah there's, there's this really cool, like, overall theme to it, which gives it a lot of power. Like, when you hit the credits, it, it really does feel satisfying. And I wanted to mention Lady Gaga gets first billing in this movie, being the star that is born. That's right. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, so, like, the, yeah, there's, there's, like, this rich kind of history to it that gives it more power but we should talk about how the film is made because this is cooper's first movie it's not perfect it's got problems and for like you the, shut your mouth i know for the <laughs> average like rom-com dramedy people will love it i think for the average film goer if you like rom-coms and you like dramedies and you like romantic dramedy i don't know i think you're gonna love this movie but for the cinephile <laughs> for the sophisticated <laughs> snob let me point out a couple of things all right one uh this movie's filmed up a lot of it is is fairly close to people. You don't get a lot of establishing shots. You know, like I, a lot of times I can't figure out where they're at, and and that con conflicts with pacing because yeah. in this movie things move real fast, and you don't have a good sense of time. Like it, it it is not clear how long these two are together, how long it takes for her to become the star. Like sure. the second act, man, moves so fast. Like it, it's almost just a montage of. Okay, we're at a concert, and then we're writing music, and then we're in the studio, and then we're at another concert, and then we're here, and it's like, well, hold on a second. Like, <laughs> it moves real fast, and you lose sense of, like, time. How long is this taking? Is this taking a week, a year, three years? Like, you really do lose that. And the first act moves pretty fast, too. They've got to pick up their relationship quick. Yeah. The two of these characters get together so. real fast, like, in a way that, in a way, feels unrealistic, at least to me. But yeah, I'm, not, I'm not some big music star. A little so bit. Know. I felt that way too. Um, but once it gets going, once we kind of get closer to Act Two, yeah. then it's then I'm on board. But yeah, right. it, it is a little clunky slash a little cre creepy. It's, I mean, it's it's the picture on the box. You you see the two of them on the poster. You know where it's going. It doesn't waste any time. So that's yeah. not necessarily like a slight against it. I did want to mention, as far as speed goes, presentation of characters. Dude, <laughs> Dave Chappelle is in this movie, right? Yes. I, I, at one I believe point, his first films, it's like half-baked. Yeah, at one point, <laughs> no lie, I thought he might just be playing himself because I didn't know the name of his character character or why he was in the movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. I was like, who is this guy? Why is he here? How does he know those characters? What's the relation? He does have a name. It's Noodles, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's it, Noodles. I had to look it up later <laughs> because I, I couldn't figure it out. It moves so quick, and like it really does make me wonder. Just like we we're talking about with a coworker, is there is there a three hour cut of this movie somewhere? And Probably. They just edited it way down for time. I don't know. On the one hand, I felt like it moved too fast. On the other hand, there was definitely a point in this movie where I was like checking my watch, like, okay, when's it over? Like it's it should be wrapping up now. Sure. So for the, that didn't happen to me, and I Good. was I was actually really surprised when I got out of the theater and I was like, oh my gosh, it's one o'clock. Like it. It was, you know, a little over two and a half hours um, in there. So I, I didn't really feel the length uh, at all. Yeah, I, I, I did. And, and I didn't want to. And, and it's I hope the rest of you don't. I really do. Because if you're feeling the length in this movie, it brings the third act down because, you know, you're, sure. you're expecting it to be over any second. And you shouldn't do that. It's 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 a bigger movie that, that way. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was expecting, you know, two hour fun uh, music kind of thing. It, it's it's a little bit more, and and you should appreciate it that way. If you haven't seen any of the originals, it's deep. I should say, I guess yeah. is is a good way to, to describe a Star Is Born. It's you know it's about society and life and and yeah. I, I was going to say this is definitely kicking off Oscar season. I think I yeah. fully expect this to get nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress. Do you think it'll win? Uh, I mean, who knows? I don't like to try and predict that. I got to see what else is coming out. I like but. to try and predict it. Uh, I, I'm not predicting a lot for this one, but I haven't seen everything else. Who knows, man? Like, I, It could be 
this could be the top of the list. I also didn't think Shape of Water, well, I wanted Shape of Water to win Best Picture last year. I didn't think it would, and it did. So what do I know? People, <laughs> exactly. people love That's a redemption like story. Guess, and again, but... and, and not to get too far in the weeds here, man, the Academy and Hollywood, they love that Hollywood history. That's why they love La La Land. They, they love do. it. And so this being a remake of like this storied institution of a film like might might just tip it over the edge. I don't know. But it's pretty good regardless. Yeah. There, there's just a couple more things I wanted to, to touch on. Please. So another thing that this movie is about is very much family. Um, Jackson Maine has a very kind of dysfunctional relationship with his much older brother uh, played by Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. He talks about his father who had him when he was 63. Yeah, and he's got this fascinating history that you don't really find out a whole lot about. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very much about that those relationships and needing those relationships in their life. Lady Gaga, on the other hand, has a very strong uh, father figure and like he runs his business out of his home. And so like uh, the other guys are kind of like, you know, surrogate fathers as well. And so that's just another another thing that the um, that the film is really about. And I think did really well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the way that they kind of pushed Ali's character to appreciate people for who they are and not necessarily the things they do which is really tremendous not only in her father who was her biggest critic growing up and like mm-hmm. she's still at one point she's got this scene with him where she says like you know dad you you still there for me like when i learned to play music you still help me learn all this stuff so even though you said those things like i still love you it doesn't matter she's also got jack her her, her boyfriend of course bradley cooper's character uh who is a, a raging alcoholic and, and like clearly has substance abuse issues and she tolerates she doesn't make him stop she doesn't say hey you can't do that anymore she she goes nope I, you're if, if you're you and i love you then i'm i'm cool with that and like you get this interesting kind of fascinating look at like kind of abusive relationships in that way and like yeah it's kind of nasty like i said it's deep it's deeper than you think probably uh so so be ready for a for a tearjerker i think for some of you out there but it's man it's it's a good flick it's weird i, I didn't like it that much at first but it's one of those movies like the more the, the longer i get away from it the more i think about it and the more yeah. i keep coming back to it and thinking about the soundtrack and finding it on spotify so for what it's worth um it's a movie anything else you want to talk about yeah, just a little bit of trivia do you know who was supposed to play the lead role in the 1976 version who Elvis. Presley? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know any other Elvis? <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, yeah. Yes. Great. That, that Elvis, he was supposed to play uh, Chris Christopherson's role, uh, but I think, um, according to Tim upstairs, uh, Barbara Streisand was actually going to get top billing, and so Elvis wouldn't do it. Yeah. I wonder if that's tradition with Stars Born that the woman gets, yes. or the star, I should star. say, gets top billing. I can't say it's always been a woman. Maybe someday there'll be a reboot where it's a guy. You know what I would like to see? I'd like to see the hip-hop version of this. Oh, stop that. <laughs> you see, is it starring Beyonce? There, there's been a hip-hop version. I don't know the name of it, but I'm sure it exists out there. It's not called A Star is Born. It's, I don't know. I see, I'm trying to think version. of any hip-hop Eminem, movie. Dr. Drumline, Dre. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> God, NWA, uh, the Piggy movie. Um, Andy, what did you, what would you recommend Star is Born? Absolutely. It, it is... <laughs> It is it is really good. It's uh, great music, great performances. It's a deep film. It, it's um, it, there's a lot of heartbreak in it too. Like come come prepared, get bring your box of tissues. Seriously, uh, yeah, bring the Kleenex. A Star Is Born is a great movie. It, it's it's really well. It's a really good movie. I, I don't know if I should say it's great. <laughs> Again, it's got problems. It does. It's it's his it first does. time directing for God's sake. There's nothing wrong with that. Qu- a Quiet Place had problems. It was John Krasinski's first movie, but I still loved a Quiet Place. Like it's okay. Most of you won't even see those issues. Like you won't even notice them. I'm just nitpicky and shitty so i I don't know uh but that's that's a star is born and that about wraps our show my god we're coming up on an hour i think we can just beat the clock here yeah if you enjoyed our conversation if you want to get involved if you liked a star is born if you hated venom or vice versa let us know on facebook in the comments below probably this review uh hit us up on instagram twitter at Offscript Film Review is us. You can find our email address, mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. Um, next week, my God, yeah, I'm just going to skip right over what we're watching. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, next week, we are watching Damien Chazelle's First Man. We are also watching... Bad Times at the El Royale. Bad Times at the El Royale. The more I see trailers, the more I get excited for it. I hope it's great. I really do. Yeah, I don't I, know yet. I wasn't really sold on it initially, but it, it's grown on me. You know what's bad? I'm starting to go in with high expectations, and that's bad. <laughs> that's the wrong place to be for that movie. I should go in with low expectations. I should expect very little. So hopefully 
uh, I don't know. Hopefully it pans out. But that's what we're seeing next week. We're also going to check out some October horses. Stay tuned for that. Uh, well, I also wanted to mention also out this week is, you did. Yes, is the new uh, Netflix film, uh, th- th- which is going to be on streaming and theaters uh, called July 22nd. What is this about? So this is about the uh, terrorist attack bombing in Norway, uh, which happened in 2011 on July 22nd um, with uh, Anders Breivik was the uh, the terrorist. Um, there was a bombing. There was also a shooting on an island. And the film is it is about the incident, but it's also about the aftermath and like kind of Norway struggling with itself and to kind of maintain and hold its democracy through the 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 terrorist attack and the trial and sentencing of this uh terrible person normally things come out on netflix and you don't want to mention them right why this one what what, what so, stands out about it directed by paul greengrass Ooh. um who did uh flight 93 yeah and uh the born films mm-hmm. excellent director um and i well i also listened to the uh, to an interview with him talking about this film and what it's about if it was just uh, another this is what happened kind of like you know patriots day or whatever kind of a tragic exploitation film um that w- <laughs> that w- yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be yeah. not something i would be interested in but it looks like it actually brings up a lot of much bigger uh questions um and you know kind of difficult questions with difficult answers are you gonna watch it this week yeah i think so that's out this wednesday okay well maybe we should talk about it next week i may not watch it uh, uh but I, I don't know you can give us yeah, a little, I don't know, mini review, something. I don't know. We should talk about it because, yeah, now, now you got me going. I didn't know it was Paul Greengrass. Yeah. So for what it's worth, uh, check out July 22nd, right? Yep. July 22nd. Love it. All right. Uh, from all of us here at Offscript Film, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.